It's January 23rd, 2023. This is Rook. Well, hi there. Welcome to episode 232 of Rook. Remember this, no matter how much fodder you're provided, the Islamic Republic wins when we're divided. I'm Gian Gomeshi. Hello to you from Toronto. Salam dostan aziz. Durur barshama. They want us distracted and turning on each other. Don't fool yourselves. Only one winner comes from attacking leadership contenders, canceling folks and peddling lies. Focus on the regime and keep your eyes on the prize. As we enter a middle period of this new Iranian revolution, it becomes increasingly apparent that the enemy is not just a murderous regime, which is clear, but our proclivity for infighting and tearing down those that are near. Debates about who our representatives should be, the flags we should see, or who is unworthy of your follow are all unnecessary distractions, vindictive personal attacks, schadenfreude lace takedowns, gossip-filled hashtags, all serve to carve us into factions. Remember this, no matter how much fodder you're provided, the Islamic Republic wins when we are divided. But you heard he's M.E.K. Do you know about her father? What about his past? Did you see who she'd been seen with last? I'm no royalist. Bring back the king. That one's not pretty enough. This guy can't sing. How about you take a deep breath before your next tweet or video screed? How about you take a pause before you join the pylon or mobbing in your feed? Try to remember Badoye and what supersedes all other concerns. Focus on the regime and keep your eyes on the prize. And this is not to say we don't keep the heat on the real targets, so-called reformists that have been enabling the regime, beneficiaries of IRGC cash, those living double lives and being just fine with Islamic Republic crimes. But beyond that, Remember what we're talking about is so simple, it's deceiving. Remember that it's the human rights basics that Iranians are perceiving. This is about free speech, democracy, a woman wearing what she wants, a person being able to walk their dog or attend a rock concert. Remember the kids who died in the effort to bring change to Iran. Remember the massacre of Zahedan. Remember the years of suppression and repression and depression you want to overturn. Remember the evil of this barbaric regime and how much you want the Ayatollahs to burn. Remember the beauty and diversity and the unity of our cause. Remember the pain and tears and sleepless nights to change laws. Don't let the cyber army have their way with us. Don't trust those who are sowing division. Don't get distracted because you're bored or frustrated or need a faster decision. It's a marathon, not a sprint, and we need all hands on deck. We've got an uprising to win, and they've got a revolution to wreck. Remember this, no matter how much fodder you're provided, the Islamic Republic wins when we're divided. Coming up, a big new edition of Rook featuring legendary photojournalist Reza Dekati in Baku, composer and musician Hamid Saidi in Los Angeles, and the Rook Roundtable ready to go. This is Rook, episode 232, The Uprising. The Islamic Republic wins when we are divided. the Rook Studio again. It's a new week. As you can tell, my voice is <clears throat> not fully recovered. You know what the conundrum is? Go. Do you know what conundrum is? 
I knew. Yeah, it's 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 one of the one fewer word that you don't know in English than the ones I don't know in Persian. Um, the problem is uh, uh-huh. the, the the complex problem okay, okay. conundrum is that um, <clears throat> when I hi Pega, Hello. Pega's back here too. My I'm recovered, but except for my asthma, some of my chest. Uh. So then I take these puffers. Oh. Right, my asthma puffers. When I take the asthma puffers, then I lose my voice. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> asthma puffers and a bad joint. Either of those, oh. like a mar- like a cigarette, yes. like a, a marijuana with nicotine. Both of them screw up my voice. I've never tried. Yeah, and both of them screw up each other. <laughs> asthma <laughs> puffers and marijuana joints uh, with cigarette uh, with nicotine. Anyway, yeah. So my voice is. Uh, um, <clears throat> but then, if I don't take the puffers, I'm wheezing. You know. Yes. Just and can't people, win. do you know it's been almost twenty years? I mean, I don't know when I started doing radio it was like twenty years ago, and uh, and people would people for twenty years people go, why are you trying to sound so breathy on like as if I <laughs> intentionally I'm like hey how are, hi you know, but that's my voice. That's my voice. Oh, you know, yeah. but uh, which is like. R- racist towards as- asthmatics racist <laughs> yeah. asthmaticist <laughs> sure um, the Islamic Republic wins if we're divided right? yes that's what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. that opening essay um, Reza Degati mm-hmm. I'm very honored I'm very um, we, you know, I think it's been a while we've been trying to get him on I the show from the beginning from the beginning <laughs> we, we said his name in the first <laughs> yes, show like, yes, yes. let's get Reza Degati yes. I don't know why he uh, yes. and he's been very kind I mean he's sent me messages saying oh I'm a fan of your work and I was like wow you know he's an icon oh, okay. of photography he's, he's probably one of the I mean he's certainly one of the most significant photojournalists of the last half century um, born in Shiraz in the middle of the 20th century and uh, and was in Iran Right on, right around uh, until the the nineteen seventy nine revolution. A couple of years after that, he was basically exiled because he was, you know, covering the Khomeini um, mm-hmm. uh, co opting of uh, that revolution and the consolidation of power and 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 um, for I guess Agence Press and for Newsweek and um, anyway, he leaves Iran, begins this career that is you know, taking him around the world mm-hmm. as one of the preeminent photographers, photojournalists, humanists, uh, and uh, many, many uh, National Ge- Geographic magazine covers, Time magazine, uh, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in the course of all that, he has been in some of the most, you know, notable uh, crisis areas of the world, war zones, mm-hmm. revolutions. Yeah. So Rwanda and Cuba and uh, Afghanistan yeah. and yeah, Libya. I mean, he's sort of been there on the ground. So to get his perspective, mm-hmm. he's in Baku right now. We're going to go to Azerbaijan mm-hmm. in a few minutes to catch up with him to get his perspective on this Iranian uprising, which, which I, from what I understand, he believes this is the revolution. So to find out why he believes that is going to be um, uh, very interesting. Anyway, our feature interview with Reza Dekhati coming up in Baku in a few moments. And then after that, uh, Hamid Saidi, our, mm-hmm. our friend who's yes. in uh, in Los Angeles, uh, he uh, of the great, um, I mean, he's a sand tour player. He plays probably plays a number of different instruments. Yes, He's a yes. great composer and a musician, but he also is one of the co-founders of the group Opium Moon, mm-hmm. 
who famously won the Grammy Award for their new album for in the New Age category for their first album, I should say, and they've been nominated a couple more times. And Hamid uh, and his crew have been um, outspoken as well about the the revolution going on in Iran and have written a new song mm-hmm. or have created a new piece uh, that. Um, is about and represents women like freedom. So uh, Hamid Saidi joining us from Los Angeles. It'd be very nice to have him back on the show. I always remember uh, when he was on the program last time talking about his mother had just died. Uh-huh. And he was, the heartbreak of his mother uh, dying was underscored by the heartbreak, the brutality of not being able to return to yes. Iran <laughs> to attend her funeral, to go to the gravesite. Because of yeah. course he's been a dissident and he could be jailed, etc. Um, so I, I know, I suspect. I mean, I'll ask him, but one of the first things that he would want to do in a free Iran is visit his um, late mother's uh, uh, tomb. Yeah, and since they have a non-Iranian audience, uh, it's a very good. I mean, I appreciate them to work as yeah, about yeah. Iran. They're not actually an Iranian. He's the Iranian. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. Uh, yeah the, the rest exactly. of them are. Yeah. Uh, there's a Canadian and a yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, people from I mean, an American, couple of yes. American. Um, welcome back, Pega. Thank you. It's good to be back. And f- finally, they uh, we, you know I was away and then you were yes, away. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you know most people this time of year, especially who live in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, tend to go somewhere warm. Yes. You. <laughs> Being the iconoclast that you are, <laughs> being the uh, <laughs> the contrarian, mm-hmm. you went north. I did. You went as far north as you could possibly. Where exactly did you go? <laughs> I was in Iqaluit, which is in Nunavut, um, which for anyone who doesn't know Canadian geography is pretty much, like you said, as far north as I could go. Yeah. Um, the only other place that I guess I could have gone is Yellowknife, which is in Northwest Territories. I've been to Yellowknife. Have you? A couple times. When did you go? Well... Was it winter time? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I went in the, and here's the big secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the north of, north of Canada, mm-hmm. really far north, Canada, right. in the summer is actually remarkable. Beautiful. Because it's, and it's all night sun, mm-hmm. midnight sun, wow. you know. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's fantastic. I have been to uh, Whitehorse in, mm-hmm. in Yukon a couple of times in the winter. Uh, so you know the cold. I do, I do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you go prepared. Yes. So how was it? I mean, um, you know what? I went with really no expectations because I had never traveled to this part of Canada before. Um, and, you know, I had a lot of friends who told me who had made the, the trip and they told me, you know, make sure you dress appropriately and it's going to be cold. And in the winter wintertime, um, on the flip side of the summer time, as you mentioned. How long is this answer going to be, by the way? Uh, well, I have a lot to say about the trip. There's, <laughs> there's a revolution going on. We got to get the resident. Fair enough. No, no, please. L- let me just yeah. put it this yes. way. My eyelashes were frozen. Wow. So yeah. I was dressed very appropriately. And for anyone who knows me, I'm always cold. Even here in the summertime, I have a yes. light sweater or something like that. So I was very um, worried about how I would how I would weather the, the cold, so to speak. But... You know, it was it was quite an experience. I enjoyed it. Um, there was only four hours of sunlight while I was there wow. because I was there obviously in the winter. Yeah. Wow. So that was an Were experience. Were you staying in a, was there a hotel or something? Yep, yep. Okay. I was at a hotel um, and I was only there for about a week. Um, but I slept really well the first night, mm. like incredibly well. I don't think I've ever slept so well before, actually. <laughs> well, it it, that you, it's the circadian. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, your circadian rhythm. Rhythm. Yeah. Because exactly. that, that, that was my experience in Yellowknife. I was I was there one of the times I went in the summer. As I was there for maybe five days. Mm-hmm. And I think I slept three hours yeah. over five days. But I didn't even notice it. 
because the sun was up the whole time time, so you don't get tired Mm -hmm, somehow or your body feels yeah yeah i will add one more thing the highlight of my trip was that i saw the northern lights on the last night that i was there wow that in and of itself was what an experience an experience yeah yeah that's amazing okay welcome back thank you in one piece <laughs> it was um you know um i don't want just just while we're sidebarring a little bit from iran uh you know we keep our focus pretty gingerly on the situation in iran and the iranian diaspora on this show that's what we're all about but uh since we're talking about canada and, and we're talking about things non-iran related mm-hmm. things um can i just say because I haven't for a while, and uh, there are some people who, who listen to the program who write to me who are football fans. Uh-huh. My boys, <laughs> Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it has been a remarkable season. I, and Arsenal, I think because I don't know, like if I think because of the situation in Iran or how I've been feeling, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just emotionally tapped, mm-hmm. but I'm. I find myself crying. At how well Arsenal's doing. <laughs> I love the team so much. I love these young guys. Like mm-hmm. I have a relationship with each one of them. Like because it's a young team, right? Mm-hmm. They're all in their early twenties, and 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 they're just so great. And yeah. so what this weekend? I mean, you know, it's it's boom, boom, boom. We keep winning, keep winning, keep winning. And this weekend it was Manchester United, which. You know, there's nothing more delicious than beating the Manchester United <laughs> fans, except for the Tottenham fans, and we beat them last week. So when when we won, yeah, I was just delirious. Anyway, I'm uh, congratulations. Yes, yes. my uh, Arsenal team. I'm, I know there's a lot of Iranian Arsenal fans. Yeah, of course, there's a lot of Iranian Manchester yeah. United fans mm-hmm. too. But uh, so they're gonna champion this, and they're gonna win this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I told you this before. Don't jinx it. Uh, you know Afshin Nakhouni. I told yes, you he's yes. a he's the great painter mm-hmm. who's in London, England. He's a big Arsenal fan, uh-huh. and we always text each other, mm-hmm. and we're keeping each other in text in in check uh-huh. to not cheshm this. <laughs> so <laughs> as soon as somebody says, can't say it out loud. They played well to like you can't even say like they played well today. Okay. It's like dige <laughs> Nakhouni karo. You know, like because we okay. we're so <laughs> on edge to yeah. lose. Uh, um, you were going to say... Wh- I was going to add one more thing, actually. On, about oh, about Iqaluit. About Iqaluit, okay. yeah. The one north th- of Canada. The north yeah. of Canada. One thing I took with me to Iqaluit is a Zan Zendigi Ozadi flag. You did? I did. Oh. And I took some photos of said flag in Iqaluit. You planted it in the snow I or planted something? it in the snow That's and I so took great. photos and... I mean, you know, what you're saying about being emotional, I actually sat there and had a good cry seeing that flag there. So it was... Probably a better reason than Arsenal winning, but (laughs) that's a beautiful image. Yeah. Nice. The pictures turned out great for sure. Wow, I should start following you on social media. You should. (laughs) Actually, today I was thinking I'm not following you. Do you have Instagram? Of course I have Instagram. Yes, she does. Oh, I do follow her. (laughs) You should follow her. I will find you. Please. All right, um, we've got. Uh, let's get to business here. So we got Reza Derati coming up and Hamid Saidi coming up. Uh, let's go. Let's uh, start things off with uh, uh, our official Rook Roundtable. Brought to you by Bach. All right, so this is where, of course, we talk about what's been going on the last few days. We've got Pega back here. So, Pega, uh, I mean, the, the, what stood out for me today, not the best news, mm-hmm. was the EU, the European Union, formally rejecting yeah. 
the idea of putting the IRGC on the terraces. This is something last Thursday when you were not here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we kind of spoke about this as a victory on the heels of the demonstration in Strasbourg and months of lobbying, et cetera. There was this idea that the European Parliament, you know, had by a strong majority mm-hmm. voted to make this recommendation and it was actually going to get somewhere. Kind of deflating today. And not just deflating, but some of what was said suggests yeah. to me that these guys are not serious at all about wanting to hold the uh, uh, the, the regime in Iran to, to account. Um, what's your take on it? What what happened today? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I was actually pretty deflated by some of the conversations and some of the statements that were made. But before we get to that, actually, I think what the main statement was is that concrete legal condemnation is required, which... I have so many questions about that and by no means am I, you know, an expert on the law or anything like that. But I mean, we're talking about an organization and I I hate to even call them that a terrorist group. That's what they are, Um, where we've seen, you know, for the Islamic Republic, the IRGC. I mean, we've seen four decades of atrocities. What more do you need for a legal condemnation? And I mean, I guess my question is, what's the next step? Is there going to be some sort of trial and who are they putting on trial? Right. So, um, I mean, really, in terms of deflation. It reminds me of one of those things like, you know, when when they don't want to deal with the gun problem in America or something. They say, mm-hmm. they say, well, we're going to we're going to launch a study. We'll, we'll launch an investigation. Yes. Into, and it's like, why? You know, there's a gun. There's people are dying. There's mass murders. So, I mean, the same way here, it, it does seem to stretch reason to say, well, we need some legal foundation mm-hmm. to know that the IRGC is a are bad guys, you know. Um, yeah, it, 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 it just rang so hollow. And um, the EU foreign affairs representative Joseph Burrell, who I think is on the hate list of many Iranians yeah. today, called um, out by Hamid Ismailoun exactly, today in a yeah, big way. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, the statement he said something along, and I can't remember exactly, but he said something like, "You can't just say that I consider you a terrorist because I don't like you." Right. And I think that was the part that really, really upset me, and I'm sure so many other people in terms of you know how could you diminish yeah. what's been happening for the last yeah. four decades. But I mean, I guess it wasn't all Or bad. what's been happening for the last four months. Exactly. I mean, it's, what What do you need? What do yeah. you, what, what, if this doesn't, you know, qualify as- As a terrorist organization. As, as something that's terroristic. Yes, yeah, what, what does? does, yeah. But I guess it wasn't all bad news. There were a series of new packages of sanctions that were set against Iran and some individuals. So I know we've talked about this a lot, <clears throat> you know, on previous episodes about what does this actually mean? But I think the new package of sanctions, because it's individualized and it targets certain individuals, um, I'm hoping that this will have a better impact. Um, I read online in the midst of Persian Twitter that there seems to have been, as a result of these sanctions, some deals that have now been cut short. So we're starting to see financial implications for these individuals, which, I mean, that can't be a, that's always a good thing, right? But, you know, sometimes I feel like what's going, partly what's going on is the international institutions and the people who who populate them Mm -hmm. are still playing out the role, they're doing the role play of the the left-right divisions around the traditional arguments around things like sanctions. Mm without understanding that the Iranian population seemingly almost unanimously you know but but certainly it's seeming that the majority of Iranians both inside and outside of Iran have moved beyond that mm-hmm. you know so so I saw a guy today I don't know if he was I think he was from Ireland or something one of the representatives at the EU 
you know, um, launching a screed against sanctions, saying this only hurts the Iranian people and we have to stop mm-hmm. the, you know. So not only saying we don't want to put the IRGC on the terrorist list, but we shouldn't sanction the IRGC either. And that's a conversation that Iranians have moved way beyond. Mm-hmm. You know, there's you're hard pressed to find Iranians at this point saying, "Well, we shouldn't sanction the." That's right. You know, I mean, even the people in Iran, it's like do whatever you have to do to to yeah. you know uh, bring this regime down. But those those kind of conversations, that sort of a traditional left wing kind of argument, are still happening in mm-hmm. these institutions that seem oblivious to what Iranians themselves are saying. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of seen it from the onset of this revolution that the quote-unquote West is continuously playing catch-up. So, you know, we saw it at the beginning when we were asking the West to wake up and to, you know, talk about this revolution and and have news coverage and things like that. And now I almost feel like with the sanctions, we're in the same place. It's almost like, you know, any and every Iranian is now past that point. We're just begging, you know, the West or whoever else to do something instead of just have those conversations but 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 also i think uh, it's well not, and again not necessarily do something stop enabling well yeah that's, not that's in a, a savior yeah, kind yeah, of way yeah. but actually but, take but, action but also I, th- I think we said this about a month ago which is that it's almost like the the western leaders um are hedging their bets don't believe the revolution is going to happen or would rather wait for it to fail mm-hmm you know, uh, and we and we know all the reasons we've talked about why Western countries, in some cases, like maybe the United States, would prefer this regime to stay in power. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, uh, uh, but but the fact that they, this is a situation where you go uh, today in Europe, where you with this decision, where you go, they're really not that intent mm-hmm. on. Either they don't believe that this revolution is going to happen and this is what the Iranian people want, or they don't want it to happen. They don't want to facilitate mm-hmm. in any way that happening. Uh, they'd rather sort of pay lip service to condemning bad things that this regime has done, but then try and keep business as usual because the JCPOA, a nuclear deal, could mm-hmm. mean billions of dollars so uh, we don't want to jeopardize that well that's exactly kind of a new fear that was kind of unlocked or revisited when i heard this statement from joseph borrell because in the back of my mind i was thinking joseph 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 sorry more interesting (laughs) name than joseph yeah joseph um what i was thinking is you know is he focused on restarting these nuclear talks is that why he's you know saying well no we need the legal condemnation and we can't move forward with no because i saw somebody say like there was some european another person spokesperson sorry i should have the my know exactly who's saying these things but somebody somebody say well um you know, by putting the IRGC on the terrorist list, mm-hmm. it's really going to endanger our chances to complete the nuclear deal. God. And it's like, well, well yes, yeah. that's the idea mm-hmm. at this point. But again, I don't think, the you know, the world hasn't caught up to where we're, you know, mm-hmm. where the actual Iranian people that's are right. at, you know? So, yeah. All right, let's move on to what else is, is happening. There was, last week we talked about this um, grassroots, uh, I guess, campaign that had sprung up uh, mm-hmm to endorse or sort of support um, uh, Prince Reza Pahlavi to become the, the person to oversee a transition. And then mm-hmm. there was the the backlash to that or a bunch of people saying, no, I don't want that. And then uh, it's descended into some um, intra-global Iranian community <laughs> infighting. That is what I was speaking to in the opening essay. But um, 
I'm I'm hope I'm really hoping we can come out of this without uh, um, too much symbolic, um, too too many injuries to <laughs> to because because there's just so much attacking happening mm-hmm. within the, the community. And this was the great fear that I mean this is why we were so also energized by the unity of yeah. the Iranian uh, people and the Iranian diaspora. And now in the, over the last few days. It's kind of been horrific to mm-hmm. see people. Some people are having reasoned conversations, yep. which is what this, you know, what that's great. I mean, this is what the democracy, free speech should mm-hmm. be about people actually conversing about these things. Yeah. But then some of it is labeling people and attacking mm-hmm. and saying this person has no place and this is, and mischaracterizing. And it's, uh, it, it gets a bit sad. Yeah. It, it takes me back to the, shaming days where we were seeing you know individuals being shamed what was it a month ago less than or we're still even seeing it sometimes sure but we are, yeah. it, it it kind of for me it's the same same concept and um you know i like to do some research and come with stats and figures and things like that and i was actually trying to see if there was a way to look at the hashtags that have been used so um i was looking on twitter and trying to see if there was any sort of analytics on this and it's so funny that it's almost a 50 50 split with these hashtags being used of whether or not you are supporting um, Prince Pahlavi for this election idea or whatever it is, or if you're against. And the conversations that were had, it's such a back and forth, and I couldn't come out of that and say, you know, there's a majority or a minority. Mm. There, It's such a divide, and it's exactly what you're saying. There's some great conversation, but then there's also some But then you have to throw calling. the regime cyber army and trolls and bots mm-hmm. in, into that too. That's exactly it. You don't, because... For sure, some of this is being generated, you know, by real humans mm-hmm. who are, because we know the, the Iranian community yeah. famously is divided on things. But I, I'm, I'm convinced it's being amplified, definitely by you know the the regime that delights in seeing, oh, there, this is what we were waiting mm-hmm. for for these guys to try and eat each other, you know, yeah. so that we can continue being our barbaric cells mm-hmm. and r- ruling Iran with an iron fist. And I think that's why, you know, there in within those conversations, there was a few tweets and a few messages and things like that that I saw that were stressing the importance of this unity. And, you know, like you've said in your essay um, earlier on, that's what we should be focused on, I think, more than anything else, is that unity that we were all so excited about at the beginning of this revolution. Yeah. I also think people uh, get a little bored I know that sounds strange, <laughs> but it's like if you know it's been a few months mm-hmm. and people want action, yeah. and so action translates into tearing somebody down mm-hmm. or or wanting your person to you know suddenly be named the leader or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, and and it just shouldn't you know everybody has to take a breath and and pause and and maintain the focus and and try and stay in the same boat together, yeah. Um, but yeah. It's, it's funny, actually, now that you're saying that, um, I posted something earlier on Instagram, and it was, you know, in the midst of all of this darkness and, and sadness and everything, um, there was a tweet about the Farsi language, and I, it really resonated with me because my Farsi is not that great. Um, and so I, I wrote something, and underneath it, I actually had to put a disclaimer and say, you know, this isn't for or against any certain coalition or campaign or anything else. And, you know, it's come to a point where you have to put a disclaimer on things. I mean, that's where we're at in terms of how divided we yeah. are, which is sad. Yeah, and you can't you, you can't have an entirely open dialogue mm-hmm. because you're so afraid of something being mis- yeah. misconstrued or exactly. being labeled as being one side or the other or something like that. Um, 
You want to say anything about this show? I want to ask a distracting, distracting. Okay. Uh, um, uh, because you both called the uh, you called Prince Pahlavi, and I, I've seen somewhere that he himself he doesn't call himself. Uh, to be honest, I don't have a rule around. I call him Reza Pahlavi yeah. or Prince. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I've seen him called different things. So I, so I'm not, I'm not. Uh, I wasn't doing that in some mm-hmm. doctrinaire kind yeah. of way. Yeah, because, me too. No, I mean, because I've seen that some people um, who are very like um, supportive. Suppo- of him. Yeah, they would want to call him Crown Prince. No, oh. yes, and also they would get offended if you say like, "Oh, uh, right. said, No, this is not. Right. So I wanted to ask. I wanted to know if you said because of that. Yeah, I think I'm one of the. We we did a episode of the Contemporary History of Iran where I was talking about Farah Diba. And I remember somebody writing me a long letter going, how dare you call her Fat Eddie <laughs> And I was like, but that was her name. Yeah, exactly. We were talking about the 1960s. Yeah. And, you know, but yeah, anyway, I mean, yes, I, I, so what, it, what was your... No, uh, it, just question. The, I'm, yeah. it, your question it's was... It's just in the moment kind right, of thing for right. me. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't intentional, right, right, so right, to speak. Right. Um, what else What else do we have? Um, I wanted to talk about we're this... We're Reza Dekatis coming up. Yes. And here we are talking about Arsenal and, you know, <laughs> oh, so I was talking about Arsenal. <laughs> um, I did want to bring something else up. Yes. Congress of International oh. Women. Right. I mean. No, Congress of Influential. Influential. Yeah, yeah. Influential <laughs> Women. Yeah. Influential International, something along those lines. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's ridiculous. But I just, I had to bring it up. This is a conference that happened in Iran. Yes, yes. Right. So The bastion, the great uh, paragon of. I mean, progressive women's all of it uh, is just so laughable yeah, yeah. um so it was uh, an event hosted um by ibrahim raisi's wife um mm. who referred to herself as the first lady of iran by oh, the way okay. let me just add um and actually actually it's it's funny because she did she say was it prince first lady or? <laughs> <laughs> i don't know shia wants to know if they use no, crown prince no. <laughs> uh, and, and, and the and the congress she said that the first lady is the wife of Khamenei. So, <laughs> oh, okay, interesting. <laughs> there's a fight between first. Oh, lady. so there's a fight between <laughs> who's the first lady. Interesting. Um, so anyway, this this uh, event was um, to nominate and I guess bring to light some very influential women, mm. and the individuals who attended were the wives of heads of state from Burkina Faso, Kyrgyzstan, Serbia, Guinea. Niger, Nigeria, Sri Lanka, Syria, Turkmenistan, and Armenia. Mm. I mean, individuals who are obviously very influential in the fight for... Congress of Influential Women. women yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the, all I saw was that it was kind of ridiculed. It was, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the conversation, I mean, I'm going to get to it, but notable attendees also included Zainab Nasrallah, which is the daughter of the Lebanese Hezbollah leader. Mm. And um, awards were given out at the ceremony. Some of the awards went to um, influential journalists. Awards were given out. Yes, yeah, awards yeah, were given out. Yeah. Some of the awards were given to uh, influential female journalists, mm-hmm. notably a few from Russia. Um, and I mean, uh, this is ridiculous. Like even saying it out loud, it's laughable. We're giving out awards to journalists, female journalists, while we're imprisoning right. our own. That's right. Right. Um, and then to move on to the finances of this event, which is even more laughable given the current financial state of the country. 20,000 Iran being the worst country in the world now uh, per capita in terms of its record of imprisoning uh, uh, journalists Journalists, yeah Yeah, is handing out awards for 
journalism. Yeah, yeah okay. that's right. Yeah. Um, Twenty thousand euro prize to every attendee. Covered airfare. Oh. Five day accommodation and five star hotels. All right. And let me just tell you that there was up to three hundred individuals, including organizers and quote unquote dignitaries, who attended. So. The economic turmoil that's taking place in the country, and yet we're bankrolling 300 right. individuals for an event as ridiculous as this. Right. Yeah, and uh, in the tombstone, yeah, on the tombstone of the um, the mother of this Hanum Raisi, they didn't mention the name because of Qirat, and they just wrote on the Sangegab that. This is a place for the wife of um, Jomei Mashat. So oh it's God. very wow. respectful right. too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Did you hear that? Um, speaking of uh, women being imprisoned, uh, there was kind of a. I saw somebody. Did you hear that that recording that emerged uh, out of uh, Iran? Yes. It was recorded. I don't even actually know how it was. It was recorded on the phone. Phone, yeah, that's yeah. a phone call of yeah. women singing in the Iranian yeah, uh, prison. One of one of the, one of the uh, women, Ali Ali She's a, a prisoner. She called her daughter, who is in the United States. I, I, I think, and the, all the women together, they sang the Bella Chao song, mm. and yeah, actually, the, that brought tears. Yeah, mm-hmm. eyes, yeah. Well, those are the moments where you remember the the incredible courage and resilience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm guessing that the singing in the prison together doesn't go over so well, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they're 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 just the resilience is yes. amazing. And at the end, Nargis and Mohammadi yes. took the phone and speak to the girl. It was really emotional. Yeah. I hadn't heard that until today, mm. and I just I mean I have goosebumps even right now just talking about it. It was incredible to hear that. Yeah. All right, that's the Rook Roundtable. Um, thank you, you guys. I should say thank we're coming you. to you on uh, Rook Media. It's there. There's, you can link to all of our platforms. We are on our ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, Castbox. So you can listen to us on any of those or subscribe. If you like to see some visuals with Rook, switch over to YouTube. Uh, at Rook Media is the is the YouTube channel. And if you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in both Persian and English, check us out on Telegram. Remember, you can subscribe on all these platforms. And if you go to our website, rookmedia.com, it's where you can find back episodes, all of our uprising content, um, videos, funnies over the years, uh, our contemporary history um, series, all of it's there at rookmedia.com, including ways to support us. Uh, Sergio, can I add one more thing? Yes. Um, There is another thing that it was really uh, emotional for me, I I just remember, Uh, too much Salehi. Actually, he, uh, from the prison, he asked that, are are people talking about me outside the prison or no? And so it was really, you know, he. It's very. How can I say? He doesn't actually know no. the extent to which yes. people, people are. are yeah. uh, th- this is something that was brought up by. I should actually mention the um, interview that we did uh, that that I did in the Middle East last week uh-huh. uh, with Hila Sadiqi. Yeah. We've put the. Um, we put a clip of the uh, of the interview, about a twenty minute clip, mm-hmm. uh, on Instagram and YouTube. In one day, it's got over a hundred thousand views. Mm-hmm. 
um, of just that clip. And um, we're going to put up a couple more if you haven't seen that. But she, it's, I think it's a really important discussion because she is so eloquent and um, experienced, mm-hmm. um, both in terms of her own experience and the way she's been networking with people who are in jail and coming out of jails in Iran, uh, on the experience of political prisoners yeah. in Iran. Um, speaking of Tumaj, and and this is one of the things she talks about, how the well-known people, even those who are being celebrated and feted and mm. thought of as heroes by those of us who are outside of Iran or in, don't necessarily know mm-hmm. or are so psychologically broken by what they're the way they're treated and when they come out there they continue to be terrorized mm-hmm. by this you know these the, the IRGC calling them and warning them and um, that they that they live in a kind of a bubble of of fear and negativity or or become as she as she put it orphans mm-hmm. uh, of, of their community in the sense that they, they lose a sense of who they are one can only hope that that does not happen to too much and that he is freed and that he'll know the extent to which um, people have been advocating for him and loving him but yeah. it's a it's a really really yes. tough conversation mm-hmm. to have in terms of uh, you know we as we say in the interview talk so much about executions but even those who are not executed right. are left um incredibly affected by these um prison situations that can be torturous in so many ways mm-hmm. uh, so if you, if you haven't heard it and you want to please um uh, check out that that interview with Hila Sederi on any of our podcast platforms or the video version on YouTube or on Instagram. Let's get to our first guest, shall we? I know he's waiting in Baku. My first guest today is an Iranian-French legendary photographer, philanthropist, idealist, humanist, and architect, Reza Derati is a renowned photojournalist and a member of the National Geographic Society's esteemed team of explorers. He famously covered the 1979 revolution in Iran for Agence France Press and photographed events on the ground for Newsweek until 1981 when he was forced into exile by the Khomeini regime. He has written numerous books. He has created many documentaries and he is a multiple award winner, including receiving the National Order of Merit in France, the International Center of Photography Infinity Award, and the UNICEF Hope Prize for his work on Rwandan refugee camps. He is an international icon and one of the most important photographers and photojournalists of the last half century. And right now, Reza Derati joins me from Baku, Azerbaijan today. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? Well, it's a great honor to get to talk to you. You know, you, we've wanted you on the show for a long time, and I, I, I hope you'll promise me you'll come back so we can do your career interview and talk about your life, because, of course, today the priority is talking about the uprising in Iran. But I'm so grateful to have you on the program. Well, thank you for having me. I have uh, heard some of your interviews and uh, your voice, and uh, as a media person, I always wanted to... To know you, and that's what's happened. Thank you. Uh, I am I am honored by that. Thank you, Rezojan. You you were. It occurs to me you're in Baku. You were born in Tabriz, not too far from where you are now. If we can jump into this conversation of what's happening in Iran at present, 
What, what's it like to be observing what is happening in Iran today from the close proximity of where you are right now? It occurs to me that a, a legendary journalist, photojournalist like yourself, always wants to be in the middle of the action. Do you Are you tempted to want to run across the border and, and uh, be, be following what's happening from as close as you can? Well, this is the, the hidden agenda, hidden part of the, uh, what I'm here because I always been in a, a lot of times in the past 40 years uh, when story happening, being in the heart of the story. And what's happening now these days or these weeks in Iran, it is the part of the turning page and the heart of the history. So being here, it makes me more closer. First of all, feeling that I had, it's, you know, uh, here in Azerbaijan, it looks like I'm part of an Iran. Uh, Iran, Azerbaijan, or Azerbaijan here, it's exactly the same place. It's, uh, I mean, the same culture, same ethnic groups, same people. So uh, uh, being here, for me, that I haven't been in Iran uh, for almost 42 years now, it's given me a sense of the uh, family, a sense of uh, uh, the same land, the same culture, and being close to what is going to happen, which is going to be the, we will be soon the end of this uh, uh, criminal mafia that has been running uh, Iran uh, over 43 years now. Let me come back to um, <clears throat> yeah, what 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 it's like in the community that you're in in Baku in terms of how people how other people are processing what's going on in Iran. But if I can, let, let's, let's zoom out first. Uh, and by the way, I totally, um, I, I of course don't have your experience, but um, but I, I keep going. Over the last few months, I've been to Istanbul and Beirut and Dubai and UAE and all these places that are. And people say, why do you keep going over there? And I. I I say, because I want to get as close as I can to Iran. I can't go to Iran, so I want to be as close as I can. I feel the action is, and I want to witness it. I want to do the stories from there. <clears throat> Let me try and um, zoom out as we start this conversation and, and get a perspective from you, because you are you are unique, uniquely qualified to be able to give us a perspective. You have seen so much around the world, and in particular— volatile situations, revolutions, crises from Rwanda to Cuba, Libya, Afghanistan, um, hundreds of countries around the world, um, or I don't know, 150 countries, whatever, whatever it is that you've covered. Uh, if, you, if you think about all of, all of what you've seen and, and try to do a comparison, how do you situate the current revolt in Iran does does this feel like significant change is imminent? Uh, definitely, it is very very important and significant what's happening. Uh, let me go back into what what you you were telling about my experience. Uh, well, forty years of covering almost all the wars and conflict, uh, being in the Eye of the storm, uh, seeing what's happening to the people of the world, the reality, the real 75% of the humanity, how they live, 
uh, and uh, obviously being uh, living in Paris, uh, working in New York, Washington. So I have been be- between these extremes all the times, going and coming between these two worlds all the times. What I have learned during the wars, which later met me uh, to do what I am doing, was that the only way to get rid of the wars for the humanity in the long term, I'm not talking about one or two years or 10 years, I'm talking about the long term, the generation. We are able to get rid of the war. One condition is that having more women in decision-making of the the whole, whole world, having more women in education, in culture, in communication, in governance model, in a very high level. Nowadays, the women are only 5 to 10% maximum of those decision-making places. That brought me to start first in Afghanistan, creating an NGO, creating a uh, school of the journalism for the women. It was in 2001, which I thought the best way which I can do is train women in those countries to become writer, journalist, filmmakers, and so spread this knowledge to the world, to the to their own community. Twenty years ago, when I started, there was almost non-journalists, women journalists. 20 years after, we have trained more than a thousand Afghan women becoming writer, mm-hmm. journalists, mm-hmm. creating their own radio station. Even now, Taliban has taken over of my NGO and everything is gone. But what you see in the Kabul streets now, for one year, we have seen only the women are protesting. This is the reason. This is one of the way that I was able to participate in what's happening now in the world. Why is important what's happening in the world? Importance is historical. It is not just for Iran. That finally, in the history, the woman of the world that has been oppressed, that has been, you know, looking them as second uh, citizens, yep. Look, look what the Quran said about women. It's it's even not considering them as a second uh, citizen. Look, some of the mullahs was talking about women, saying that these are your animals and cows and uh, ships, and the women are the same. This is what the, some of the mullahs was telling when talking to the people. So the revolution happening in Iran, which is from by the women, it is the beginning in the world history of the women revolution. And why I believe it's so, again, because the women are the one that suffer more of all the wars. The women are the one that suffering more of the poverty in the world. The women are the one that suffering in any dictated countries. So that's finally 
the biggest number of the people in the world. I mean, the, if you say these are the half of the humanity, and for centuries, but the half of the humanity, they were oppressed. And now they are rising up. The same way that's happened when the slaves they, they came out. Mm-hmm. Exactly, this is one of the historical moments of the humanity that people that have been oppressed and still they are oppressed much and suffering more than everybody, now they are uprising. And they will take the world with them. That's why it's very important. Uh, well, as we've said many times too in, in recent weeks and months, they're not just changing Iran, they're changing the world, the the, the young women and the, the youth of Iran in general, in fact, you know, this uh, new generation. But how do you, I mean, part of what I'm curious, what you learned from your experience, that that's a great perspective, what you've just given us. As well, how do you, can you, is there a way to taste whether change is imminent? In other words, one of the things that we've heard, for example, about dictatorships and and revolutions is that, um, well, first of all, they don't always happen overnight. You know, it takes weeks and months, etc. But, but that just before a dictatorship falls, everything can look tranquil and normal, and as if as if they're in power and with an iron fist and not and unmovable. And then something can trigger things to if there's enough resistance, if there's enough um, dissent bubbling under uh, that it can it can suddenly fall. How, like I say, with your experience of having seen this, of having covered this in countries all over the world, can do you have a taste for that in terms of what's happening in Iran right now? The, the sign which I have seen is from two different parts. One is inside, national, and another one is international and outside. Let's first talk about the uh, outside and international. Uh, till now, the Iranian regime, these mullahs, how they are considered in the world, who they are um, supporting them. L- let's say that what are the countries now that they are supporting Islamic Republic. We have North Korea, or Venezuela, Syria, China, Russia, and Armenia. These are the six countries that they are supporting and helping Islamic Republic. Now, out of those six, Armenia has his own problem, and we know why he's supporting Iran. Venezuela, Syria, North Korea, all of them, they are just nominated. They can't help Iran. It's in some cases, even Iran helping them. So China and Russia. China, a couple of weeks ago, the president of China, he went to participate in the biggest gathering of the Arab countries, the Arab countries that Iran Islamic Republic consider as the enemy, the countries that Iran Islamic Republic always say that we're going to attack you, we're going to attack you, we're going to attack you. And what was the outcome of this China president with the Arab countries was two manifesto against Islamic Republic. So 
the China showed that even Iran has signed one of the most shameful contracts of the history of Iran to giving the open hand to China, whatever they want to do, still with this, China preferred to be part of the what the, the countries that Iran consider as an enemy. Now we have Russia left only. Although although, only, China, although China is still buying the oil and funding a lot of it. Of course that. getting it. But he is not anymore political supporting of Iran. Mm. That's important. They don't understand that he cannot count on the China. So we have now only Russia left. And Russia dragged Iran into Ukraine war. So this is giving another uh, weak part of the Iran. And Armenia has no mean of the helping Iran. Armenia itself needs the Iranian help. That's why they are supporting Iran. In this case, Iran has lost almost every single international support. What's happening in the inside of Iran, you know, one of the most significant things that happened in Iran uh, which later I'm sure that all the historian uh, and the researcher will do a lot of research about it and work about it. And it may even became an example of the how a regime fall down, how an ideology is finishing. It is what in Iran was famous called Amon Parani. Um, I don't know uh, how you could... Uh, translate this Amome uh, Parani in English. Uh, this is oh, where that, all the young... Where they knock off the turbans? Is that the... Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> this, is, this is not a small thing. This, in the history of Iran, will be remembered because the turban of the mullahs has always and always considered of being the most sacred uh, element. This is what is considered in Iran. The, the, the turban of the mullahs, there are ceremonies of the giving them turban when they became a mullah, and all of them make this very sacred. And mullahs themselves, before this, people, even if they were chanting this to Khamenei, this to Ayatollah, or whatever, they were not really attacking the mullahs. With this attack of the knocking of the turban by young generation, this is very important. This is the generation that also I have been in contact and touch with them over decades. And I know mm. not only in Iran, but in many other countries, by the training which I have, by teaching in the schools, in universities, I know that this generation they are going to change also the world. And the knocking the turban is the sign of the end of what was the ideology of the Islam in Iran, the ideology of the accepting this Islamic Republic. So they have lost also this part of in, in Iran. That's such, a, that's such an interesting perspective because, and a helpful one, because on the one hand, I've been sort of looking at that. I mean, you could look at it and sort of say, well, this is a, a superficial, you know, schoolyard gesture of, of doing these, these things. What is, how does that really form any kind of testimonial towards a revolution? But you're saying 
um, this is the underpinnings of this suggests that this regime has lost its i mean it it seems like an obvious point to make but lost any legitimacy in the eyes of even young people who will not who will not stoop to showing any respect for these these guys and that this is a this is a major um gesture for us to observe huh definitely just give an example the military people the the sign that I don't know what to call the sign that have here, the grade is also considered as taken. And when the people they wanted to get rid of someone, the 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 sacred military, they grab and they tear it down. And the military people, when it's turned on, it is the end of the story. Right. And that's exactly what's happening in Iran now. The knocking of the turban over centuries that was considered as being sacred and not touchable it is gone so but to those who say to those who say i mean i i i was at a gathering yesterday there was a demonstration in toronto and i and i i saw a couple of people yesterday who said um, you know, we're we're very depressed because we feel like, um, you know, two months ago everybody was singing the Shervin song and there were thousands of people in the streets in Iran and, and it feels like now this regime has sort of, through its barbaric ways and its fear campaigns and its executions and all that, grappled, has, has, has clawed its way back into, you know, um, putting this down, suppressing things. What do you, what would be your response to them? The one response to it that i have which i have seen also in other countries is what we call it in uh, the fire under the ashes Mm. this is a fire under the ashes this is what uh, the last moment of the regime that they have been trying by any way as we have seen they have done in the past four months, the most incredible and unhuman uh, and brutal uh, criminal way to stop the people. They shot them in the eyes. Mm-hmm. As you have seen, many of people, they have been blind. They arrest him. They went uh, to home arresting young girls and attacking them in the like prison wire or their own houses uh, as a sexual assault, group sexual assault. They have done everything that possible and it's still yet people not giving up. They have been always up and down, even in many uh, revolution. I have seen like few months, nothing was happening and suddenly again was jumping out. So this fire under the ashes, it is still there. The government, what I have done by putting more ashes in it, but it is not going to, mm. they, they, they cannot extinguish the, the fire because of many reasons, many sociological reasons, historical reasons, that it is gone. It is the end of it. You know, uh, oh, one of the reason to find out that the big guys in the regime they are giving up it's the number of the houses villas that is 
bought in the past couple of months in Turkey or in other countries. So it, there is a lot of sign that the, uh, the government people, the highway. That they know themselves that their their days are numbered. They, are, they know about it. Definitely they know about it. The number of big villas now on the sale in the Iranian newspaper, it just shows, and all of those villas that is on the sale, and you can see that some of them like a million of dollar, really, which is, you know that this is belonging to such a minister or uh, such a revolutionary guard uh, general or whatever, and they are selling even. So by doing this on the newspaper, openly, they show that, they show that well, we are living. We, we are living. We, we, have, we, we have no future here. Reza, can I just step, take uh, three steps back? Because I think I cut you off because I was asking about China still buying oil. You had talked about, in terms of the, you, the outside of Iran, uh, uh, effects of how you see this, this regime on its last legs. Um, you talked about uh, some of the countries that have effectively are kind of powerless in this situation or have been neutralized, the, the Venezuela, uh, North Korea, et cetera. You talked about China losing the political support of China. I think I cut you off when it comes to, comes to Russia. What is your indication that, that Iran has somehow lost Russia? No, no, I- I- Iran has never had Russia with them. Russia, over the centuries, if you look back to the history of Iran, it was always the oppressor. Russia has always played with Iran as a big mafia guy that who is getting something out of Iran. That's what the Russia has done over the centuries. The Russia has never been a friend of Iran. Russia has made alliance in the history with Armenia attacking Persia. Russia has made alliance with the other countries to get the wealth of Iran. Russia is the one that got the uh, Caspian Sea uh, out of Iran. Russia is one that uh, try sabotage the Iranian deal for the nuclear power with the Western countries. Russia ha- has is the one that in Syria is giving open hand to Israeli airplane to attack Iranian wherever they want. While the Russia was allowed and get to Syria by the help of Iran also. So Russia has always over the centuries has used Iran, never helping him, never uh, showing any sympathy even to Iran. You, you remember, I don't know how they received the Raisi, the president. He was just almost thrown out after meeting uh, Putin of the palace, waiting uh, in the cold weather, snow for the car. And they show it, the, the Russian TV, on purpose, they were showing that, look how we train Iranian president. Look how we do it. It's, it's just nothing. So Russia is helping Iran. No, sorry, Russia has never helped Iran. Russia now he, he dragged even Iran in the Ukraine war because he need Iran. That's why uh, never it showed sympathy or to Iran and always get the wealth of Iran, always get the oil of Iran, gas of Iran. Uh, Iran has to do whatever Russia wanted.
I want to ask you about the international community because of, again, the experience you have, some of which is working with NGOs, working with UNICEF, working with um, in different parts of the world and with, with how the international community can address crises and, and uprisings, etc. There, there is a, a sentiment that you must be aware of in the Iranian community around the world that um, Iran hasn't been, I mean, notwithstanding now, we've seen a couple of resolutions in the United Nations and the, and the, the, the European Parliament last week, etc. But, but that Iran and the situation in Iran hasn't gotten the kind of attention and support around the world that something like the Ukrainian uh, crisis has. Um, and that for months, many of us were sort of screaming, where is UNICEF when they're um, killing children in the streets? What is your perspective on why that has been the case? Well, this is unfortunate that I have been living it again over 40 years of my experience in the media that uh, people uh, somehow they show an interest uh, to the policy of their own government. Uh, let, let's say in this way that uh, uh, unfortunately, many of the Western government, they have big interest of having an Islamic Republic, ex-Song, which is very weak, so they can do whatever they want. The same way Russia doing with Iran, the same way China doing with Iran. So having a weak Iran inside the governance, but with the guns showing over the neighbors, it is helping in many ways mm. the Western countries. They don't want the regime change. Way, they don't want regime change. Yeah, no, no. They don't want it because look, if, if you look in past four or five years, how many billion dollars the US and the European of the munition and arm they, they sold to Saudi Arabia, to all the uh, Gulf countries, uh, to all the neighboring countries. Why they said, why they, they were buying this? There was one check of the $110 billion that Trump and the Saudi sold to Saudi Arabia. Why they do this? Because they're afraid of Iran. If, the, if, if Iran tomorrow he said, okay, I don't want to attack. I don't have a gun. I'm just living in here. Let me live. So who is going to buy all those weapons? Hmm. Nobody. This is, and we are talking about a couple of hundred of billion dollars of, uh, say, arms sales. A couple of hundred billion dollars if you put all this together. So all the countries around Iran, they have to be afraid of Iran if we keep the Iranian this way. So they can sell the, the arms. Now, knowing that a lot of countries' public opinion is made by the government run or by mainstream media, that's how we are not able to really shake the world public opinion. Because what's happening in Iran, it's totally unhuman. Because when I'm explaining to European and uh, the US people personally, this is what's happening. Many of them, they said, you know, we haven't seen it. It is true. Right. 
It is maybe in the social media, but look at the uh, mainstream medias. They are just somehow it's going like a 10 second of advertising, just a few seconds and it's gone. So that's why we Iranian people, we still have a lot of patience. We, we know that we are right. We know that we will gain finally uh, the liberty that looking for Iranian, Iranian women, they will do the revolution, but it's coming with a very painful price. And one of those painful price is the knowing that uh, European and the US government, they don't want to change. They want to, even China and Russia, they, they want them to be there. But even, even all those comes together, as you know, there is a very famous saying said that uh, uh, all the darkness of the world cannot extinguish the light of a small candle. Hmm. Now, all the darkness of the world, including Islamic Republic, including Taliban, including all those Western government that they want to keep the Islamic Republic, the, the candle is Iranian revolution. Yeah. They will not be able to extinguish the light of this candle. And I'm 100% confident that this small, the light of this small candle will become more and more and will give the light to the world. So that's um, beautifully said. I, I know I've only got a few minutes left with you here. Let me let me ask you this before I let you go, and, and I look forward to, um, I should hope, talking to you again. Um, you know, you were there in the, the 1979 revolution. You were covering it. You, you've taken famous photographs. Uh, you were covering the early years where um, the Khomeinists consolidated power, co-opted the revolution and, uh, and took power um, over a period of years and started a, um, a murderous reign that, as you say, has gone on for 43 years, 44 years. What, Reza, what, what can we learn from those days to not repeat now? Well, uh, the world has changed a lot. The, what I have learned that the social media has created a new generation in the world. This young generation that they could be Iranian or American or uh, Argentinian or from Uganda, they have much more things in the common that our generation that we were all, always only learn and educated in one uh, in our, 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 our country and one of the important things that i learned is that they those generation they don't have leaders the same thing that happened in iran without the leader there was no leader in this past four months so we, we saw what happened when the people get around the Khomeini as a leader and he was able to bring the people but then we saw the danger of having a leader mm. what what could be happen especially that in Iran uh, our education is still oriented of the one person uh, mentality and even I have seen the best person in the world when they got the power, 
being corrupted by power. Power right. is a virus. I know about it. I have seen people, fantastic people, that they were the most human people that you could imagine. The minute that they got the power, the virus get in their mind and over months or years, they became the worst dictator. Is this to say that's that, why, do, do you believe then that the all of this chatter that's happening in social media right now in some places in the Iranian community that I endorse this person or we should have this person as our leader or whatever, do you believe that is premature, that that is, or problematic even? I mean, it is not only premature, but somehow it's also somehow is helped by Islamic Republic. I can I, I see the hand of Islamic Republic in this situation uh, now what's happening because before this we had a lot of people fantastic people themselves self-made people that they were up on the social media that they were really giving fantastic line to the people how to go where to go and they were preparing some uh, demonstration which was followed with everybody so what the British famous say that divide to govern. Divide and conquer. This, yeah. Yes. So Islamic Republic was able to divide this group by creating this, uh, giving a, uh, whatever they call it, to this such a person or not. So the, it is very, very dangerous happening now. And uh, it may bring a long-term uh, uh or halt even to this, maybe may bring. I'm not hundred percent sure. So this is I can see how dangerous is it because I have seen in '57 with Khomeini arrived and everybody saw Khomeini on the moon. Uh, the Iranian, unfortunately, we have been under monarchies and then Shia over. 2,500 years, monarchies or more, and under the Shia for a few centuries. With all of them, all of them is giving only one way to look into the story. Even when uh, the dynasty, from father to son, this is what the, the for 2,500 years Iranian were brought up. Even when we take this Islam as a religion, we invented dynasty. We invested dynasty of Ali and uh, his mm. sons and his son and his cousin till the 12 that disappeared. So even in this way, in Shia, we were brought up looking as a for, for a leader, looking for a dynasty. The, the leaders of this revolution are on the street and on the prison you, you yes. get the name of the prisoner yes. they are the, these are the leaders of yes. iran yes and yes many of them that they are outside but they don't consider themselves as a leader they don't yes. want it, people looking to them as a leader um just finally uh, before i let you go I, I said i wanted to ask you about what it's like to be in baku in terms of what you're witnessing in the community there um what how would you characterize people in Baku in Azerbaijan in terms of their reaction to what's happening across the border in Iran right now? 
Uh, what I see here, the people are very sad about what happened in Iran. The people, they don't understand that uh, the mullahs could do this because, you know, here is still, uh, like many of the former Soviet Union countries, religion is something like was in Iran before Islamic Republic was personal a lot. So, for and for 40 years, which I have witnessing that Iran government, they were trying by all means to, uh, you know, to influence people here, to bring them toward them. And, but now that the people, they see what they have done, the mullahs, what they are able to do, they are, they are very uh, uh, conscious that this is not the way, that they don't want to uh, have uh, any religious uh, uh, governance, they don't want to have uh, any ideology, religious ideology, because the way that they are living here, it's like uh, almost you, you, when you are in the Baku, you, you may see that this is one of the European countries, yeah. the, the, the place here. Even if they have been uh, in a war for 30 years, even if the uh, 20% of their land was occupied for 28 years, and still they are recovering. Uh, even if they had 1 million refugees uh, out of 10 million people, but they are recovering now. And they are looking to the Iran, always saying that two things, which I heard here. Why Iran mullahs over 30 years helping Armenia to kill Azerbaijanis? This is the reality here. The, the question, why... Islamic Republic uh, over the past 30 years was helping Armenia, giving them everything possible to attack Azerbaijan. And the second is why this religion people, they are acting in this way. Why? In the, what, where in the religion they learn doing this crime? Right. This is what's happening here. Reza Tehati, your, your, your insights are so valuable. I'm so grateful for the time you've given us. I do hope you'll come back. And, uh, and I, I can't thank you enough for the time today. Thank you very much. And I wish you best. And I hope that soon we will see that Iranian people, they will reach what they look for. Merci. Thank you again. Khodafis. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Won't you wake me up tonight? Cause this life I'm living doesn't really feel like mine. This strange dream I'm dreaming. If Never thought you would leave. I never thought I'd have to start again. This is Rook episode 232 The Uprising. The Islamic Republic wins when we are divided. Let's get to our next guest and go to Los Angeles. He is an internationally acclaimed Iranian-American composer and musician, Hamid Saidi. 
is the co-founder of Opium Moon, a band who took home that Grammy Award for their debut album in the Best New Age Album category in 2019. Hamid was born and raised in Tehran. He got a degree in music from the Iranian Academy of Arts where he studied composition. Since leaving Iran, he's performed all over the world and has composed musical scores for more than 35 films, for TV programs, dance and theatrical presentations. Hamid has been based in Los Angeles where he writes, produces, and teaches since 2009. He and his group have dedicated their latest work, which is a collaboration with Hengame called Woman Life Freedom. They've dedicated it to the women of Iran and those who advocate for human rights all around the world. Take a listen to this. Taste of Opium Moon with Hengame and a new track released last week called Woman Life Freedom, dedicated to those advocating for human rights in Iran and around the world. That features co-founder and composer Hamid Saidi on Santur. You heard a bit of a solo there. And right now, Hamid Saidi joins me from Los Angeles today. Hello, sir. Hi, Jean John. How are you? I'm so glad to be with you and uh, with everyone who's listening to us. Nice to have you back on the show, brother. It's nice to have you back. And, and it's so interesting listening to that. I'm not used to Opium Moon sounding as much like a pop band, uh, a pop rock song as, as you do in that one. Um, actually, with them, uh, we we want to try this this um, uh, route recently. We and well, we want to want to bring something something new to our ta- table as a, as a, as a uh, instrumental band. So uh, we collaborated with Hengame and uh, Supreme Supreme Being of Leisure for for this song, and it's going to be our very first song from the new album we're going to release the album this year on uh late september and this is the first single that we're going to release that we released we're going to release another singer single in uh i i believe uh next month we're going to we're going to release three singles and then then we're going to release the entire album i mean i know this music is um, as much or much more so about the message and who you've dedicated it to and what it's all about. But just on a musical point, uh, and given our last conversation when you were on the show talking about how one of the things that you all love as sort of maestros of the instruments that you play is the the freedom and the improvisation of Opium Moon. Does it feel like a bit of a straitjacket to be playing a song like that where you have to sort of go to the chorus and fit into a structure? To be honest with you, we, we 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 always try to keep our essence and keep our our signature, whatever we are doing um, as a opium moon as a, as a band. So um, I think um, I think it's it's a, a very same, and we learn to. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be very honest. We learn to to be a little bit, um, um, you know, 
to accept the the the, the structure of the song and i'm um, you know not not play for for 11 minutes solo or something or or we 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 we, we are producing uh, shorter song uh, songs actually recently um, we're gonna stay well we try to stay with three minutes four minutes maximum maximum five minutes it is it is a little bit difficult it is it is difficult to keep that essence from our prior albums mm -hmm. and do this but but it's a new challenge and i personally love it everybody else is uh, in the band love this new new way and we are trying trying uh, new thing it, it's 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 our mission always to do something right. new at least for ourselves you're like the the beatles in reverse you started with the expansive experimental late period stuff and now you're going to the the early period uh, <laughs> shorter pop songs um <laughs> Let's get serious about to what what you've wanted to do with this. I know um, just following you on social media and knowing you a little bit, you've been preoccupied uh, preoccupied as many of us have uh, of Iranian descent around the world with the um, with the uprising, with the events of the last four or five months. Interestingly, while a lot of music, musicians and bands have done um, tribute songs or songs that they've dedicated or uh, have been inspired by this uh, revolution, um, you in particular, I saw you say in an interview that you wanted to create a new song to reach out to more than just Iranians when it comes to the message of this uprising for democracy, for women, life, freedom. Tell me about the desire to reach non-Iranians. Um, from the very first day of this this um, uh, re revolution, actually, we, we as international band, we we try to to connect with uh, uh, with non Iranian um, artists and non Iranian uh, groups. Um, I I thought that this is our uh, this is this is at least my mission to do that. I, I start talking to. In the academy, I, I start talking to you know voting member in the academy, Grammy winning um, you know artists, and and try to to involve them, and try to let them know what is going on. Because we Iranian, we know what is going on. We are dealing with this with with this regime for last uh, forty three years. We exactly know what is going on, and and I. I do not have um, I, I do not know anyone who is not aware of of the situation in Iran Iranian who's not aware mm -hmm. of the situation on Iran in past at least at least um, you know 20 some years and and everybody is everybody is trying to to uh, do something against this regime actually or or um, anyone who I know is right. trying to do uh, something against this, this regime. Um, I mean, some some of us feel the problem. Sorry to cut you off. Some of us feel feel the problem sometimes is that everybody isn't trying to do something uh, in the Iranian community. To, but but I understand your point that certainly in terms of awareness, you don't have to win over an Iranian to what the regime is or or whatever. Um, but the the non-Iranian community is a different issue. Exactly, exactly. And and um, you know we need we need. Uh, people who can who can but well, we need uh, effective people outside of our our community and um I've, I've been trying to to 
to connect to them. And um, recently, for for this song, we 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 uh, decided to to make a song to to involve more of people who are not aware of what is going on in right. Iran and make it make it as simple as possible and uh, and work with these three amazing words and um, um, this slogan or zandegi uh, azadi which is the most beautiful beautiful i i think um, i think um, slogan that we created in entire our history so as iranian so uh, um, uh, we were focused on these three words, and then, then uh, for 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 C uh, part, uh, uh, we asked Hengame John to join us, and she she was kind enough to come and kind enough to do whatever she can to to make this. Actually. Uh, uh, um, I met Hengame John a couple of times in different different um, you know gathering and different parties and or different uh, events but but uh, through uh, Dr. Katie Amirionesi who is my 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 uh, lawyer and uh, she introduced us to to her and um, asked her to join us for for this song we were looking for for some um, you know Persian uh, Persian singer female singer and uh, we got connected with her and and we are extremely we as opium moon and i um, personally are extremely extremely we are happy mm. for this collaboration with him, you know what it's a, it, you know what it's an interesting piece because um um <clears throat> my first reaction in hearing it was to think it's not uh, it's not particularly angry. It's not like one of those punk rock anthems, you know, uh, storm the gates or something. And it's not, it's not particularly mournful either. It's not, it's not a Camgin song, you know, it's, it's sort of, um, uh, and it, it raises the question of tone, which is something that I know you've been, um, contending with or thinking about even even when i do an interview like this still four or five months into this you know as we joked off the top of the interview it's kind of like well is this okay is it okay for us to joke because we're aware of the seriousness of what is happening in iran and at the same time we're also aware that we 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 don't service anybody by just uh, you know um keeping our heads uh, moping around and 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 only being uh sad and angry um with 24 7 consistency back in november you were honored with your third Grammy Award nomination and you wrote on Instagram at the time honestly when you're nominated for a Grammy Award right in the middle of blood anger fire and strike you don't even know if it's right to announce it is it important at all does it distract attention from the, the main issue anyway I struggled and consulted and came to the conclusion that I should announce and present this nomination to the revolutionary movement of brave Iranian people anyway we got nominated for a Grammy Award for the third time with amazing white sun it's a huge honor that you got nominated but it's and and I'm grateful that you shared your own um uh, battle around wh how you how you felt about sharing information and seeming to celebrate something in Los Angeles while people are living in difficult conditions or or uh, trying to change make change in, in in Iran. Tell me about the struggle to not promote our accomplishments when when we're in a revolutionary time. Um, 
again, I I, I really want to to uh, make a difference between well, I, not make a difference. I I want to say that we are when we are we are working for when we are making something for non-Iranian. We we are trying to connect with the, uh, with different culture. We should follow that culture and see how that culture accepts uh, the information. So we are in our culture, in our history, we are very, very, very uh, okay and. Um, we are expert on mourning and um, you know crying and being being sad and and uh, if if we, some of us lose some somebody everybody knows how to get together and mm. how we gonna go through grieving and how we gonna how we gonna uh, you know cry all of us together and how we gonna do this but but for other culture it is not like that even you know they they um, yeah, especially American culture, they 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 try to make something positive out of out of even grieving somehow. So and and make it make it uh, uh, make it somehow uh, useful for 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 their future for for whatever is happening next. So that's why we we try to to not make song this song revolutionary because it is not it isn't you know people outside of uh, non-iranian people are not doing the revolution we iranian are uh, doing revolution right. not make it make it uh, as you said sad song or kamgin song as other to to just to just cry or something like that because we uh, our target target audiences was that they do not accept this kind of this kind of grieving and and try to be informative try to in in a certain way in abstract way in artistic way try to say what is going on in iran and even even but, but with this amazing artist who put uh, put together the uh, the video uh, we we were talking for a long time and um, you know the, the first thing that came to uh, our mind as as Iranian is so so women is women and it's white and the 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 other character gonna be male uh, black male artist who's doing the dance with the with with the white character, and I was extremely against uh, that and um uh, I think I think uh, it it is not. It's not a battle between between it. It's something inside our our culture. It is not about male or female. It is, it is the part that the the black part or dark part that all of us somehow we have because of this this culture and because of this regime in our soul. So um, um I I hope I'm 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 clear I'm, I'm so sorry i i, I just think that i i had a, another interview one hour interview this morning in farsi and my brain doesn't switch <laughs> no, to no no it's okay <laughs> i i understand what you're saying that it's it's something endemic in our culture that we're trying to um shift it's not as simple as just saying it's about race or gender or something like that is what you're maybe saying exactly exactly 
exactly so but but on the uh, on the note about you know um not wanting to celebrate the the the, the grammy uh nomination uh or not wanting to seem boastful about it i suppose it, it is tough i mean i think it's i think we've gotten to a bit of a different place now four or five months in where we i think collectively are realizing we can't um you know it's unrealistic to not to forever not post a picture of our dog on uh celebrating his bone or something you know doing something or some fun event or something because we're we're dedicated to the revolution but at the same time if um if more executions god forbid were announced today you would feel a bit stupid saying hey i'm nominated for a grammy award you know so you you have to kind of walk that line how did you feel after you did come out and 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 say it um actually i i i felt very supported from from our community and um, i really felt very supported but but for now um I, I think we should we should be aware that we are at the middle of a of a sort of war with this regime and we need to keep our 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 energy we need to to um, you know keep our our emotions and our strength to be able to to go to this sort of battle or sort of war and there is a possibility that this this battle, you know, we we need to do this for a long time, yeah. for a year. Uh, I hope I hope we, um, you know, this definitely that they they're not gonna stay in power for sure for a long time. But we don't know. Maybe two months, six months, nine months, a year. So we need to we need to be prepared and we need to be aware that that uh, uh, we need to manage our energy and manage our our mind to to stay in uh, in, in power to to put pressure on this regime as much as we can. So the the I I think for us the first step is to be aware of each others be a be aware of our friends be aware of the people who are not our friends but they are they are fighting too and we uh, be aware that we all of us we have very very same um same agenda same target for for freedom mm -hmm. and uh, um, you know for people in iran and for to to put pressure on this regime and um not get get to not waste our our uh, energy with sadness too much sadness mm -hmm. this I, I totally understand this this situation is it, uh, we went through you know disasters and it was so difficult for for all of us to accept that the very very young uh, you know our children somehow um, in a very very young age mm -hmm. are going through this this uh, unbelievable uh, torture and unbelievable, you know, uh, get killed for being in, on the street or get yeah. Exe yeah. executed for dancing on the street or just, just, um, you know, just protesting or something like this. It was too much pressure. I know we, we, 
we've been so sad we are still sad i absolutely understand but i think our our mission is to put pressure on this regime yeah and we have to keep our our energy we have well, to manage it's not our if, if i may it's not just the um the not wanting the energy to be sapped by sadness but also um by what I called in the opening essay of this uh, t- today's show, um, the concern about distractions. You know that 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 um, the the regime wants us divided and wants us distracted. Uh, it be- benefits their potential uh, maintenance of power um, to have Iranians and in, in, whether inside Iran but across the diaspora as well fighting with each other. And you've talked a fair bit about the pride and energy you've felt in the last few months, the unity of Iranians around the world, um, this time wanting to change, make change in Iran. And and a lot of us have felt that. And I've said the same things and um, talked about the, the rebirth of Iranian pride and these amazing demonstrations we've been at and that Berlin demonstration of uh, um, 100,000 people and 80,000 here in Toronto, all, all of that. At the same time, Hamid, it seems that more recently um, there's a fair bit of infighting. There's, uh, uh, you know, different people in the diaspora coming up with different prescriptions or solutions that is causing um, there to seemingly be more time spent debating, you know, how, how we feel about, you know, who we want to lead or doesn't or whatever, than, than in, in focusing on this regime. How do we mitigate against that in your view? I think, um, uh, let me be very clear um, uh, between the, um, you know, different, um, different uh, uh, sort of opposition that we have. I'm, 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 I'm with, with Shahzadeh. Uh, this is my personal choice, but I think in this, I think he's, he, he can, he is the, the uh, our our best choice but i have only one vote and i'm absolutely uh open to 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 other votes as well and also i think we as a as a people who who think shahzad is best choice or i i i think mm-hmm. i as as a person who think shahzad is our best choice for for doing talking uh, about us uh I think it's 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 the time for for people like me to do not put pressure on on and and accent on on this mm, again. Mm. You know, we are asking other people to to let's be united and let's let's get together and and at the same time we are putting accent big accent of our choice and I think uh, it is not it is not okay it is not okay for us to put too much accent on this mm. and it's not for other people to uh, how can i say that 
there is no need to freak out about this thing. <laughs> Nothing is going hap- going to happen. It is it is not it is not about what we are giving the entire our our sarnevest or our our future in in his hand or mm. something. No, but the uh, flip that but let me push back based on just we just had Reza Degati right before you in in Baku. Um, uh, the great photojournalist, and and you know his his concern, you know as he articulated it was, um, this is premature and it leads to us uh, again. This serves the regime. He he in fact thinks that the regime stokes some of the some of the trolling of, of different uh, groups in the in the diaspora, which wouldn't be a surprise, of course. But that this is the concern that it that it takes the 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 eye off the prize, if you will, um, and. So, I mean, how do you feel about that when somebody says that? Actually, I accept that, and I, I, I think, I think it was premature. To be honest with you, it, it's it was too early for us. But um, you know, let's let's. Uh, uh, I think we we need we need to go one step back and and think think a little bit little bit freer and not be concerned about different things you know not be concerned concerned about uh, uh, our our future in three years and mm. see uh, uh, politically what we're going to do uh, if we are we are uh, uh, pro or against any any kind of any kind of uh, uh, idea a political idea mm. so let's let's uh, i i suggest that we we go one step back and forget about this thing and be more focused about what is what right. is the most important thing for us. Do you, do as, you, does it bother a, you? Do you get, uh, um, uh, personally, does it bother you if Gugush comes out as she did and says, I don't think we should be endorsing uh, Prince Reza Pahlavi or, or something like that? I mean, does that, do you take offense at that somehow? No, uh, to be honest with you, no. This, this is uh, we are fighting for to be, um, you know, uh, the, the the main idea about this revolution is to hear the the people who are against, uh, who have some idea against my idea. So mm-hmm. we we need to learn this. We need to practice this. Um, uh, Gugush or anybody else who has a different idea, I I really really appreciate mm. them. And I would. It, it is lovely that we, we, we are learning to talk with each other and not fight. I hope so. But yeah. I hope so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but we are. Let be honest. Uh, we. This is new for us. This is this is very very new for us. This is. Um, um, we have to practice. We need to remind ourselves every day what is the, what is important, the most important. What is our agenda? And remember that that we are we are fighting to 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 be able to have different voices and mm. different to uh, have the conversation with different people who are against us and after the conversation say okay you have one vote i have one vote let's 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 do this and see what's gonna happen um i think that this is this is this is the most thing that we need to keep 
uh, in our mind as as the Iranian. By, by the way, I mean, uh, speaking of uh, by the way, speaking of the distractions, I mean, when when the debate descends into who should he be leader, shouldn't he be leader? To me, that's that's not even what the I mean. The original intent I thought of this this petitioner these things that started was that who can oversee a sort of transition it wasn't like let's vote for the leader now but but that kind of, that gets lost in this exactly. um, in, in, in community um, uh, debate uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> in a chaos that um, yeah just just um, just um I think, uh, um, and at the other hand, I I felt so sorry for for honestly for Shahzada. I I felt sorry for him. The the, the poor guy is just just trying to do something. Um, uh, he did. He didn't I, start the petition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I yeah. know, I know he, uh, the poor guy is not is not happy about this to put this much of pressure mm -hmm. and work on anybody it it's a huge huge responsibility it, it is difficult and um i don't know i don't know yeah. I, I it's very interesting that that uh, um that some people are passionately against against this person i it's very interesting and does that surprise uh, you i mean you you know that uh, yes actually i it's it, it's it's surprise for me it, it you know the other um, uh, I, I'm not in I, I'm not in a I'm, I'm not in a situation to talk about politics I am I I do not know anything about politics I I'm a, I'm an artist I know I know what is going on in in society and this is this is mm. affect me to work and you know before this kind of thing i was saying you know situation in, in iran and whatever people are fighting is not about about politics when we say politics it's like um, you know in the u.s you're 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 fighting you're republican and fighting with democrat and writing something and debating and this this is politics when you're um, uh, seeing the the people are getting killed um, um, the very young people or are getting killed on the street because of nothing it's not about politics it's not about humanity politics is too yeah. luxury for this situation yeah, yeah, yeah. and it is, it is about humanity yeah, and that's saying. why yeah. everybody is fighting and everybody is against that um, uh, all the every artist are are talking every artist are are trying to help um, because it's not about politics it's not it's politics it's too luxury for this uh, situation it's interesting so, you, uh, you, 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 let, let me um let me just ask you before I, it's always good to talk to you, Hamid, and I, I, I appreciate you coming on. You're always such a, you're a straight shooter too, and you, 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 you know, you, you're very open about how you're feeling. One, one of the things we talked about last time you were on the show is, um, your, your dear mother had, um, recently died. Uh, you lost your mom in recent years and you were not able, if I recall, to travel back to Iran, um, even for the funeral. You, this was really, really heartbreaking for you, obviously. Tell me what a different um, free Iran would mean to you and what you would most want to do there, thinking about your mom. Uh, the free Iran for me, uh, um, you know, each, 
for me personally is to be able to seriously uh i i i think this this is my right to to be able to to see my uh uh, uh so it is not again uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna shoot it one more I, too much I, some, still it's it's too painful yeah um free run for me is uh, to be able to go back and and visit my mom or visit my or you know her her place or visit her tomb through uh, iran at the other hand for me is the the place that um, you know iranian people start making progress for for their lives you know uh, and we we start to help each other to, to for for better for yeah. better life in in I, i'm insisting on, on better life because to be honest with you I'm, I'm as as i told i'm not i'm not a political person i do not care if i'm i'm in a in what kind of kind of political regime is 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 having power in um, you know in iran it, it it doesn't matter i think i think the most important thing for me is people ha having a better life and people mm -hmm having hope and people having having better future and imagine better future for themselves or, or their, their children and don't be under this much of pressure of um, any kind of pressure so i i personally the first thing that i'm i i wish and i i want for free iran is for people to have a better life i i do not care who is yeah, leading the yeah. country i do not care who is having power or not having power to be very clear it's a, it's a great reminder too that sometimes what we're really talking about you, you know i mean what you're saying is because so so much of the conversation happens at the level of competing ideologies and this is what structure do we want for the Iran and what is it going to look like and who's the leader and all of and you're really talking about wanting to visit your family I mean I I grew up um, in the West uh, after the revolution being unable to see my grandparents there's the grandparents of mine that I never saw before they died you know um, and uh, family that I've never been able to to go and see in Iran after I was a little kid, um, and these are very personal things. You know, there was a there was a moment a couple of months ago when we were talking to a uh, one of the protesters. I think she was in Mashhad and and you know on the front lines, and we had changed her name and we were sort of pr protecting her, and she was this, you know supposedly like this sort of powerful feminist woman who's on the front lines and i said what do you really want you know uh, in a free iran she said to be able to walk my dog and and well, wear, wear the clothing i want and you think oh my god this is what this is really about just simple basic freedoms to see our family or walk a dog exactly but um, you know we are um, we are fighting for um, that's why I, I insist that uh, uh, 
it it, it doesn't matter the the ideology or 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 you know politics in this situation the things that we need are extremely simple uh, you know it, 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 it sometimes when you're when you're talking about this situation with with non-iranian who doesn't have any experience what is going on sometimes they are they are looking at us and say are you insane how is it possible why yeah. and again you don't know how to how to explain this is this is why people are fighting this is this is about um, one inches of uh, uh, you know the shawl or or scarf to be here or here this is stupid in in, in 21st century yeah, to yeah. fight for this and get killed yeah it uh, it's insane it's insane it's an insane insane situation insane. yeah yeah. It is insane. So, so we are. Uh, we 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 should keep in our, our mind. I believe um, uh, the majority of people in Iran are 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 fighting for a very very simple thing. And and you know just just talk about the the the, the political ideas and then then you know the future power and uh, things. In, in after 10 years after um, uh, Islamic Republic uh, it is it is not right in this this moment yeah. and it is it is it is too early to talk about those kind of things um, thank you thanks for coming on congratulations on uh, um, the, the imminent new record when does this album come out that we're talking about yeah, it's it, we are planning to release this album uh, late September. Oh, actually. okay, okay. It's a, um, but the lead off one of the first tracks from its singles is the one that you released uh, um, last yeah. week, uh, and um, well, maybe that we'll have to have you back on then before the, oh, the album comes you. out. What I really want, what I really want is is for you to come visit Toronto and come perform live in the in our studio. So if you when you guys start touring again, if you're coming up this way, uh, you know, I'm uh, make me a promise that you'll at least consider it. I would love to do that. Definitely we're going to do that. Um, definitely we are we are um, a little by, by little getting back to to the um, you know, to the uh, uh, having shows and stuff like that and um, you know put uh, prepare for for shows you know after covid immediately we went to to revolution and yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and um, uh, one of the things that was very interesting that it was very difficult to 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 explain for non-iranian was that during the revolution or during this um, this situation we our our, our society doesn't doesn't like any concert or, or any yeah. any gathering it was very In the beginning at least yeah yeah it was the, people were frowned yeah. upon for performing gigs yeah, yeah and you was, you canceled was, some shows didn't you Did I, I canceled that yeah, yes yeah. i canceled um you know a couple of shows and uh you know i'm getting back to shows i'm i'm gonna ha i'm gonna perform next week but I think this is the time for us to to come back, and this is the time for us to again learn to whatever tools that we have. Yes, use it for our our 
target to to get to the point to put pressure on on this regime. Fair enough, Hamid Saidi. Uh, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Was all mine. Hope to see you soon. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Hamid Saidi in Los Angeles. That's full time for Rook for today. Thank you to the amazing team who put this show together. Savvy Roham, talented Anihita, Parisa, Pega, Meritad, and Shia. Thank you to all of you guys out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you've not done so already on any of our platforms. Um, also go to our website, rookmedia.com. Rookmedia.com, where you can catch all of our previous episodes, our different series, uh, outtakes, etc., and our show mission. It's all there, rookmedia.com, where you can also support us and become one of our patrons. You can find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. Thanks, as ever, for listening to us and supporting us and supporting the movement for freedom in Iran. In the meantime, to all of you, as ever, Mizun Bashinah.